For what do I have if I don't have you, Jesus? What in this life could mean anymore? You are my rock. You are my glory. You are the lifter of my head. Hi, and welcome to The Rock Podcast. In today's teaching on Luke chapter 9, guest speaker, Pastor Rick Countryman, gives us the keys to having a strong walk with Jesus. Let's join Pastor Rick with a message entitled, Finishing Well. I'd like to welcome everybody back to the sanctuary and take your seat for this morning's Bible study. Well, our guest speaker today is the senior pastor of Big Valley Grace Community Church in Modesto. And what's really cool about his story is he actually got saved in this church and then served for 20 years as the youth pastor and then in 2005 became the senior pastor. And so God has done a lot of work through this church in this man's life and now is using this man to pour back into the church. So uh, Pastor Rick, uh, we and the leadership team, we first heard him when we went to the Hume Lake Pastors Conference in 2012. And when he spoke, his messages were so moving and so impacting. And we actually still talk about his sermons today, and that's two years later. So uh, please give Pastor Rick a warm welcome. Pastor Rick Countryman. Well, it's, uh, it's good to be here with you. I, uh, you know, if you're visiting for the very first time, I want to welcome you. It's always kind of a little scary going someplace for the very first time. I'm a, I'm a new visitor here also. <laughs> but um, at both the hours, I got the free uh, drink. So I, <laughs> I might put these on eBay next week and for the people in Santa Rosa. Want to drink out here? Uh, but you know, when you, whenever you come to a place for the very first time, a Big Valley Grace, where I'm from, um, is a is a big place. Big is in our name. Uh, last year we sent out uh, 200 W2s. That tells you how big Big Valley Grace is. And um, whether whether you're ginormous or whatever, anytime you go somewhere new for the very first time, it can be a little weird. And uh, you don't know where the bathrooms are. Do you stand up? Do you sit down? Where's this? Where's that? People are doing this. People know each other. You don't know anybody and all of, all of that. And I get it. That's kind of how I, I feel here too. But let me just tell you, especially those of you that are visiting, there are a few places like this. I, I could tell immediately when I walked in here this morning that this was a unique place, that there was just great camaraderie, uh, fellowship would be a biblical word. And it was just really neat. And you don't find that everywhere. I go places and speak at some things where it's just, it's just brutal. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's like, man, I got to get out of here, man. This is like unbelievable, man. If I was visiting and I didn't know the Lord, I wouldn't want to know the Lord by the time I, I left the, the place. Um, but if you are visiting... Um, I know you're going, man, you know, the, maybe the person that brought you, you know, you wanted to hear the pastor, Pastor Ross. And the reason why you bring a guy like me in is because I make him look really good. <laughs> <laughs> you will leave here in a little bit going, man, I want to come back and, and hear Ross. And, and you need to do that. This is a great place. And by the way, you come back a second, a third, a fourth time, and you'll start to feel more comfortable. You'll know more people. You'll kind of know what's happening. You know where all the stuff is. And and so, uh, though you feel a little bit weird, um, just glad you're here. And I also know there's a bunch of people watching over in that other room over there, and I want to welcome all of you, you there also. Um, uh, I, I, as uh, you heard, I've been at Big Valley Grace over 30 years, and it is where I gave my life to Christ there, um, and uh, all that kind of stuff. And then I served as a youth pastor there for, for 20 years, and a few years, um, about 10 years ago, we were going to go plant a church, my wife and I, and I'll introduce to, to her in just a moment. Um, and then our pastor left, and the elders of our church asked if I would stay or we would stay and just become the senior pastor of the church. And obviously, we said yes. And it's just been an unbelievable um, opportunity for, for me to serve the, the Lord there in the town I grew up in. 
never left uh, Modesto and been there a long, long time. My wife is right over here, Erin, wave, everybody say hi to Erin, all that kind of stuff, yeah. We have uh, three kids, uh, one will be getting married in March, our first one's getting married in March and all that, so we're excited, we're in the throes of planning a, a wedding, uh, and this is how it kind of works. I'm sitting in my backyard reading one day and just enjoying the, my yard and my wife and daughter come in and they're all excited. We found a dress, we found a dress, we found a dress. And I, did, I didn't even know they were going dress shopping. <laughs> Say one word to me. Just, just, you got a dress, wow, cool. Anyway, um, my wife also serves, she works in the uh, one of, we have a number of gals that are paid in our women's ministries and she serves in there and does a, does a great job there. But uh, anyway, once again, I'm just glad I, I, could, I could be here with everybody. Uh, we stayed last night in the most beautiful place. Uh, you know, we stay in lots of hotels and things. And uh, Steve and Kay, members here of this church, have the Honor uh, Mansion. And just unbelievably beautiful place. The hospitality was just great. All of you, just, just great. And so thanks for... Uh, making a brother in the Lord feel welcome uh, here. Um, it was a number of years ago, we had an intern at our church. His name was Troy Temple. And uh, Troy Temple ends up uh, you know, going through our intern program and all that kind of stuff. And he becomes a pastor at uh, uh, um, Baptist Church in uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. First Baptist of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Beautiful big church there. And so he asked me to come and speak at his church. And so I went there and uh, there was a moment where I had some time and I put on my headphones and I was gonna go for a jog. And so I take off and I'm running and I get around the corner and there's this old church on the corner. And uh, it was big historical um, you know, monument out in front. The church had been around like 200 years or whatever. Still met on the weekends and all that kind of stuff. And I rounded the corner, saw how long the church had been there. And I thought, man, it's old, you know. And I get around the backside of the church, and there was a cemetery, and which is kind of what they used to do back in those days. The church also du doubled as a cemetery. And as I'm running by, there were all the, the tombstones, and they were all in rows, and as I'm running by, I saw an old guy sitting down towards the end of one of the rows. And I just kept running. And at some moment, I get to the, whatever the halfway point is. And I turn around, and I began my run back. And as I was going by all those rows again, he was sitting down there. And so I took off my headphones, and I walked down. And he was uh, there visiting uh, his wife's grave. So I sat down and said, hey, why don't you tell me about her? And this old man began to unpack an unbelievable life, began to tell me a, 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 a about her. He told me that uh, on Saturday, she would uh, bake a couple of pies. And then on Sunday morning, she'd come to the church, and if there was a new visitor, she would then give that new visitor one of those pies. And he told me, he said, you know, Rick, I, I used to pray that we wouldn't have any visitors. <laughs> but, you know, wanted to keep the pie, you know, kind of a thing. <laughs> anyway, uh, after a while, I um, said, hey, look, I'm preaching at this church, and why don't you pray for me? And uh, this old guy laid hands on me and prayed, and I got up and walked away. And... But here's the thing about this, this uh, a cemetery, and they're all the same, whether they're old or new is that they all have uh, tombstones, headstones. And every tombstone or headstone, is they're, they're almost all identical. The, the, there's a name that's chiseled into it. The, the, then there's the, the date in which that person was born. And then there's the date in which that person died. And there's always a, a dash right in between those two dates. And what's really interesting is that that dash represents their whole life. So as you walk by and, you, you know, here's a name and you see these dates and then there's the dash. And I, I've often thought to myself, man, if that dash could only speak, what would it say about the life? You see, the only thing that we do on typical tombstones is we put what is called an epitaph on it. 
where we try to somehow capture the, the essence of the person in one little, one little phrase. This gal, um, the, the man I was kind of talking with, this is what her epitaph said. It said, quote, she loved God and others deeply. She ended well. Now, now, now here's the deal. As he was kind of unpacking her life for me, th that epitaph fit. As he was kind of telling me about his wife and her love for God and, and people and all that kind of stuff, I, I, I remember thinking, you know, that epitaph really, really does fit. It works. That, that, that's, her, that's her life. And here's the deal. Um, if you really think about it, most of our tombstones are pretty much done. Your names chisel onto it. That, that's probably not going to change. The date in which you were born, that's already chiseled in. For most of you, the, the first two numbers could be chiseled in and when you're going to die. In fact, for some of you, the first three numbers of the, 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 the date you're going to die are, are chiseled in. Your, your, your dash, you know, I don't know how much time you got left. But there's even a hunk of your dash that's already chiseled in. And the weird thing about the sovereignty of God is, is that you don't know how long you get. I've done the funeral of some people whose dashes were 100 plus years, that they lived 100 years. And their, their dash was just unbelievable. Lot, lot could go into a, a soul who lived 100 years. Some of the people, some funerals I've done, uh, you know, they lived 80 years. Their dash was 80 years long, some 50, some 40. I've done the funeral of a lot of teenagers. I've done funerals where some dashes were but just a few seconds. For whatever reason, God only allowed that human life to, to live but just a few seconds. All of you, your, your dashes right now have been chiseled. It's, it's already in a work in process, you know, progress. And I think the question I want you to at least wrestle around with for a moment here is, what would your dash say right now? If this was it, you took your last breath right here and it was all over with, what would it say? I mean, if, I mean if, if people were really honest about your life, look, I've done a, a, a thousand funerals and everybody always gets up to the microphone and says all these great things about the soul that died, even though the guy could have been a jerk. You know, at, at the moment that they're dead, you know, everybody says nice things. And then as they walk to the car, you know, they go, you know, I don't know who that guy, I don't know who they were talking about. I knew that guy, he was a jerk. But at the funeral, you don't see, you don't get them go, hey, that guy's a jerk. You don't do that. Everybody's all sensitive and you say all the right things, right? But I want you to think for a moment. I don't know you. If this was it, the wisest man that ever lived, Solomon said, death is the destiny of every man. The living should take this to heart. Let's suppose this is it. You don't get another day and your tombstone's done. What would your dash say? For some of you, you know what? Right now, your, your dash would say something beautiful, right? For some of you, maybe it wouldn't, you know, wouldn't say something cool. The good news is, is that you haven't taken your last breath, so regardless of where your dash would be right now, when you walk out of here in a little bit, maybe today is the day you go, wow. I don't know how much time I got, but I gotta work on my dash. I found a few epitaphs in the scriptures that I want to share with you to kind of set up where, where I'm going. If you have a Bible, you can turn to uh, 2 Chronicles chapter uh, 21. If you don't have a Bible, the verses are going to come up on the jumbotrons here, and you can, um, you, you, you can check it out for yourself. I want you to see the Word of God for yourself. It says this in verse 20, Jerome was 32 years old when he became the king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for eight years. Now, now, now here comes his epitaph. Here's what was on his tombstone. He passed away to no one's regret. <laughs> there you go. 
I know a lot of guys like that. I've done a lot of funerals like that, by the way. When he died, no one cared. Big deal. Joe's dead. Big deal. Mary's, you know, in a pine box. He passed away and no one cared. No big deal. Uh, I think it's a, a law in our city or our county or whatever that when someone dies, you know, somebody, you know, some pastor has to come out and do some sort of religious thing, you know. And so, uh, you know, our, our church is big and I, I, we have gatherings like this on Saturday and Sunday. And so I don't do a whole lot of, lot of funerals, but I got a call from the guy at Lakewood, who, our local cemetery, and he said, hey, Rick, we, we got somebody here. We, we were wondering if you could come out and do his funeral. And most of our guys were gone or something. I said, all right. So I put some stuff together. I went home, you know, and put on my coat and tie. And I, I don't even know the guy. And those are the worst kind of funerals to do if you're in ministry. We don't know the soul. Because you just get up there and it's like, yeah, um, Joe was a great guy. <laughs> and you're just making stuff up because it's just cra it's crazy. Um, <laughs> I get out there, you know, and I'm driving through the thing and, 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 and I see the, the, you know, the, the blue tarp, you know, we, we cover the dirt with the blue tarp because we don't want anybody to know there's dirt out there. <laughs> and then, then we put the casket right over the hole because we don't want people to see the hole that you're actually going to put your loved ones in a, in a hole. I get out there and a guy meets me and I said, hey, listen, wasn't this thing supposed to start at nine? It's like quarter to nine, what's up? And he goes, well, I don't know, man, but I gotta go back in my office. And there's a little podium like this, you know, a little speaker here and all the chairs are set up and they had a little canopy thing. And it's now nine, no, not a soul's there. It's now like 10 after nine, no one's there. I finally literally turned around, looked at this pine box and I said, dude, man, what did you do? How did you possibly live a life where no one's here. I mean, not even your enemies. Woohoo, he's dead. You know? <laughs> you know, or whatever. Nothing. No one was there. He lived a life in which he got to the end of it and he made no impact on anybody's life. Really. Nobody was even going to take the time to come out and I don't know, you know, visit him or whatever. Now I got another one here. Uh, you can turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 25. And I don't know which one of these is more pathetic. I'll, I'll let you decide. But um, in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 25, look at verse one, okay? Another king named uh, Amaziah, he was 25 years old when he became the king and he reigned in Jerusalem for 29 years. Then you get to verse two and here's where you see his epitaph, okay? He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord just not wholeheartedly. I think that's probably the epitaph of most Christians in America today. Hey, I love Jesus. I'm here. Hey, I sang the songs. I put something in the offering basket. Sundays is God's, man. Now, now, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, that's a different gig. I, I'm not sold out. I mean, you know, think about it. But I'm there on Sundays, you know. I'll even come to Wednesday nights every now and then. Which, by the way, Ross asked me to stay for Wednesday. I, I couldn't do it. Some of you are going, already going, thank God he's not going to be here on Wednesday. <laughs> I get it. I know it. No. <laughs> He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Just not wholeheartedly. He didn't give it everything he had. There, were, there was a piece of his life that was his life. And I, and I think when I look at the church in America, and, and probably not this one, but my own church, the church that I get to shepherd, pray for, my, my church is filled with this guy right here. Good people. They got a Bible. 
they, they do a quiet time. They, they might even, you know, show up to women's Bible studies every now and then. They may come to men's Bible studies every, every now and then. If I called them on the phone and said, hey, listen, man, I need some help, they, they'd probably help. I mean, you're not going to tell the guy no. I mean, he's the pastor. Let me give you another one. In uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, turn there, another epitaph I, I found. I think this is the one that if you know Christ as your Savior, you name the name of Christ, uh, uh, you, you, you're a true, genuine believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells you. I think this is probably the one we all go, dude, that's, that's the one I want. And it's, it's uh, found in verse 6. This is the great apostle Paul, our brother, he said, for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering and the time has come for my departure. Some of your Bibles, most of your Bibles say the time has come for my death. He, he knew he was gonna die, he was in prison. I'm sure the guards he had made friends with and they probably came to Paul and said, hey Paul, listen, you're not getting out of this one, pal. You're, you're not leaving here alive. This is the, your, your last bed and breakfast you're ever gonna stay in. And we know that he, he ends up losing his life. But then he says this in verse seven. This is his epitaph. I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. And I've kept the faith. In other words, you know, I nailed it. I gave my life to Christ and I did my best to follow him. I did my best to live a life that, that, that honored the Lord. I lived a life uh, worthy of my calling. Now, here's the deal. He, he didn't do it perfectly. None of us will do it perfectly. There's not a Christian alive who will, who will live the Christian uh, faith, the, the journey of faith, whatever it is, perfectly. None of us will do it. Paul didn't do it perfectly. It's impossible for us to do it perfectly. We gotta deal with our flesh, right? We gotta deal with the demons and Satan and just crummy people in the world. I mean, we just don't do it very well. I certainly don't. Let me just say that, I don't. There are times when I don't love the way God wants me to love. There are times when I don't show compassion to people the way God wants me to show compassion to people. Uh, there are times when I don't treat others the way I'd want to be treated. I drop the ball at times. I don't do it perfectly. Nobody will. And if you're here visiting and you don't know Christ, I, I know that you run into Christians. Maybe you work with them. They're in the cubicle next to you. You play golf with them. You play tennis with them. You, you do life with them. You're, 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 you're neighbors of them. And you look at them and you see them do sinful, crummy things, right? We get it. We understand, Christians understand that we have this sinful nature that we gotta kinda deal with this side of glory. We know we don't do it perfectly. But for those of us that do know Christ, somewhere within us is this idea that we wanna be able to go, you know, man, I fought the good fight. I, 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 I finished the race, you know, my life's over, my, my epitaph's done, my, my, my dash is done. And you know what, I, I kind of nailed it. I lived a life that brought honor and, and glory to God. That's what we're all striving for. But we're not gonna do it all right. I, it, it, turn to uh, Acts chapter um, 13. Acts chapter 13, I really love this epitaph. This, this is the epitaph of King David, who was Israel's you know, you know, most famous king, if you will. It says this in verse, uh, chapter 13 and verse 36. It says, for when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep, he was buried with his fathers and his body decayed. <laughs> I just dig that. You know, it just said, hey, David did God's will during his life, and then he died. That's pretty good. That could be my, on my tombstone. I, I dig that. Rick did God's will in his generation, and then he died. 
Somebody could put that on my tombstone. I, I'd be pretty happy with that. And then they're going to put me in a, in, in, you know, in a thing and, and then the worms are going to eat me. I'm just going to decay because I'm not there. All this is is, is is an earth suit that connects me to the physical. This doesn't get to go to heaven. This is just the headquarters of sin. Paul said no good dwells in this. This is crummy. But when I take my last breath, when you take your last breath and your dash is done, your body's gonna go into a pine box. You're gonna be with the Lord, but wouldn't it be great to say, you know what? I served God's purpose. I did God's will in my generation and then I died. That's a, another great epitaph that we all should strive to, uh, to have. It's one of the great purposes of finding a, a, a good church like this that teaches the Bible, the whole Bible, nothing but the Bible. Because this is a place where you'll learn how to tap into the very power source, the Holy Spirit that will, you know, give you the strength to, to, to live that, that kind of life. Now, let me tell you why this is so important. Go back to the Old uh, Testament into 2 Chronicles chapter uh, 16. Okay, let me tell you why it's so important that we live God-honoring lives. Let me tell you why it's so important to fight the good fight, why it's so important to just live out God's will and have that as, a, as something you know, deep within our souls. The Bible says this in verse nine. God's gonna give us a little hunk of data here, a little bit of information to, 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 for, for those of us that, that know Christ. He says, the eyes of the Lord reigns throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed. Fully committed. Not, not, not the, well, I kind of love the Lord, but I just don't serve him wholeheartedly. And, and the idea is this, is, you know, I can look out and, you know, I can see everybody sitting out there and I can see what you got on and how you combed your hair and your glasses and you look good, you know, and all that kind of stuff. All I can see is the outward, okay? Man looks on the outward appearance. Well, part of that is because that's the only thing I can see. But God can see beyond the shirt you have on, the makeup you have on, the clothes you have on, and he sees a deeper place. And the idea here is, is that God's kind of looking around and when he finds somebody who's fully committed, somebody who goes, you know what, man, I, I want my one life to count. I want my epitaph to say something unbelievable when it's all said and done. When he finds that soul, boom, he locks onto it. Bam, yeah, gotcha, know it, I'm with you. And there's something amazing that takes place between God and that soul. You know, if you know Christ, you got the Holy Spirit living in you. You know, that, that's a no-brainer. But just because you have the Holy Spirit living in you doesn't necessarily mean your dash is gonna say something unbelievable when you die. You, you, you'll go to heaven and all that kind of stuff, you know. But it's the soul who not only knows Christ, understands their need for Christ, understands all of that, but says, you know what? I want my one life to say something amazing when it's all said and done. I want that. And God, here's my life. I wanna be like the great apostle Paul. I wanna be able to say that at the end of my life. I wanna be like King David. And when, when, when my you know, life is over with, I just want people to go, you know, that guy served God's purposes and then he died. I want that. And, and right here, the Bible tells us when he sees that person, wow, somehow he does something amazing with that life. Something unbelievable happens with that life. And here's the thing. If some of you are here right now and you're going, oh man, I wish I had a game. Um, you feel like I'm, I'm kidney punching you. You're, you're, you're a believer, but you're dash. You, you have been, you know, you've been blowing it. Hey, look, it's okay. This is a good day. You know, when, when God's Holy Spirit convicts you of something, it, it, it's, a, it's a weighty moment. 
And you can either just kind of shut down in here right now and say, you know what? Man, this guy's loud. I wish Ross was here. I don't want to be here. I want to get out of here, man. Or you can go, hey, hey, Lord, I, I, I need to stop goofing around with this thing called my, my walk of faith. I was a sinful person. My sin had separated me from you. I couldn't fix myself. I was lost. I was a dead man walking. I needed you and somehow you drew me to yourself and, and I, I've invited your son into my life and because of that, you've cleansed me of my sin. You've restored this relationship. And I, I've been kind of messing around with this thing. I've been the Sunday guy or gal, you know. Look, here's the deal. You, you, you can either walk out and go, hey, you know what, I'm just going to eat pizza for lunch and go about my life. And mo some of you will. But there will be one or two or five of you in here are going, you know what, today's a different day. The Holy Spirit has convicted me, and I've been goofing around with my journey of faith. And it could be you need to go home and look at your spouse in the eye or get out in the car here in a minute, just look your spouse in the, in the eye. And they already know you're blowing it, your spouse. It's not going to come as a news flash to them. <laughs> oh, man, I thought, you've been doing great. <laughs> and just say, wow, I heard from the Lord today. And I sure am sorry for how I've been living, how I've been leading my family or whatever. Could be that you need to go home and talk to your children and just say, hey, Jimmy, Johnny, Julie, look, your dad, your, your mom, I, I've been fumbling this thing. And I, I know Jesus, and we go to church, but you, you see how your dad lives, your mom lives around here. I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? Because dad, dad mom, we, we, we want to we make sure that we're examples to you of what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. And we're going to make some changes in our lives. Pray for us. Th that, that just took me, uh, what, 15 seconds? And in 15 seconds, things can be different in your home. Your life can be different. You can begin to have your dash say something unbelievable. And more importantly, all of a sudden, now God is going to you know, take your one life and who knows what, what he might do, might do with it. Now, now here's the deal. You make that commitment, or those of you that are living that way right now, here's the deal. We got an enemy. We have an enemy that doesn't, um, doesn't want you to end well. We have an enemy that will do all that he can to make sure when it's all said and done, ah, you get to go to heaven. But you, you just didn't pull it all off very well. You allowed other things to kind of goof up your life. And so what I want to do, just real quick, give, give, give you a couple thoughts. And this is the text that I just kind of want to unpack. And so uh, you can turn to Luke chapter 9. It's a little vignette of the life of Christ. And I'm going to take the next just 13 minutes here real quick and just kind of unpack this for you. Okay, great little vignette of the life of Jesus. And I hope that somehow it might help us all go, hey, here's what it's going to take for me to end well. Have my dash say something unbelievable, whether I got another day or a week or a month or whatever it might be. It says this in verse 57. As they were walking along, Jesus is walking. He's got a bunch of people following around. Okay, There's just a multitude of people following him. A man said to him, hey, 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 Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. That sounds good, doesn't it? And so Jesus stops, and now he's going to take, uh, takes about, five seconds to read the whole story here. But he's going to unpack something unbelievable for all of us. A guy says, hey, I want my dash to say something unbelievable, Jesus. I want to follow you, you know. Count me in. And listen to what Jesus says to this guy. Jesus says, well, foxes have holes and Birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. What? <laughs> what does that mean? I mean, how come Jesus didn't go, yeah, right on, buddy, you're in. 
Get up here. Get in the front of the line, man. That's what I'm talking about. Where's the rest of you bums? Come on, everybody get in on this. All of a sudden, now everybody's listening. Really? You want to follow me? You want your dash to say something unbelievable when you finally take your last breath? Well, you need to understand something. And maybe he looked over and, and you know, on this little hillside, my wife and I have been to Israel many times. Um, you see that fox running right there? Yeah, I see him. You know that fox tonight's gonna crawl into a hole and we'll have a place to sleep tonight? Hey, hey, you see that crow right there? Yeah, I see that crow. That crow's gonna land into a tree and it's got a nest to sleep in tonight. I don't know what I'm doing tonight. I don't know where I'm sleeping tonight. Animals have places to sleep, but I don't. Have no clue where I'm gonna end up tonight. And I think what Jesus was trying to say there, not everybody agrees, I'm just gonna tell you what I think. I think Jesus was saying to this man, to this crowd of people, and 2,000 years later right here in you know, Santa Rosa, I think he's saying, if you want to end well, it's gonna cost you something. It, it, it's not an easy gig to follow Christ. Especially in the culture we live in today. If you're somebody who names the name of Christ and you're somebody who believes that this is the inerrant word of God, you believe that everything written in here between these two leather-bound covers is God's word, every bit of it, pretty tough gig right now. You hater! You bigots! Don't you understand where the culture is now? Don't you want to be on the right side of history? No, I just want to be on the right side of scripture. But that's not, that's not an easy gig. Not easy. There's a cost to following Christ. We haven't really experienced it much here in America today. I think we are now. You go to, you go to the rock do they believe the Bible? Yeah. Every bit of the Bible? Yeah. Like all the Bible? Yeah. Oh. All of a sudden, you don't get an invite to the cool parties at work anymore, do you? And for some of you, that's more important. It's just the reality. Getting invited to the right things and being looked at a certain way, and that's just, it's, it's, it's important to people. I think Jesus was trying to say here, look, you want to follow me, that's good and well, but understand, it, it, it may cost you a friendship. There may be people that don't like you anymore. It may, it may cost you a hobby. God has no problem with you hitting a little round ball, but maybe God's going to ask you to do something different. It may cost you some money. One of the things I know about people <laughs> is, isn't this great to come in here? You got nice chairs and, man, the heater's on or the air conditioner's on. We got a sound system and all the music. And, man, some of you have children in the children's wing over there. It's got a great location. Free coffee out there. Free coffee. <laughs> Thank you to all of those of you who give. But there are some of you who have been at this church a long time. And um, your wallet has yet to see the light of day in here. But you like it all, don't you? Great to be here. Thanks, everybody else, for sacrificing for me. I, I don't know what it might cost you. It might cost you some money, it may cost you a job. I met somebody at the last hour who wrestled around and wrestled around with this job and knew that God was calling him to move and yet it was scary. He had all this seniority. He had all this, you know, whatever, money and, and, and all the stuff that comes. But, 
both him and his wife knew was he was supposed to leave and start something new, and that's scary. They did it. Well, Jesus wasn't done. Now it says in verse 59, Jesus said to another man, now that he's got everybody's attention, and I'm sure everybody's kind of scratching their head, that was weird. <laughs> Jesus finds somebody and, hey, you, you, yeah, yeah, me, yeah. You follow me. And then Jesus said this, or the, the, the man said, Lord, fantastic, but first let me go and bury my father. That's fair. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. That's insensitive. <laughs> where's, the, where's, the, where's the God of love? Where'd he go? I like that guy. I'm not sure I like this guy all that much. Isn't that bizarre? Hey, no problem, God, but my, my dad died. And I need, I need to go, you know, bury him, you know? I need to take care of some things. And Jesus says, no, that's not the way this works. It's not how it works. I trump everything else. And I think what Jesus was trying to say here is that if you want to end well, not only is it going to cost you something, but you're going to have to make some critical choices in life. And Jesus puts these two choices in front of a guy. Go bury your father, which is a good, loving, kind um, thing, or you follow me. Whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. You see, here, here's the deal. Jesus doesn't want to be number two in anybody's life. He's not okay with being number two. He wants to be number one. He wants to trump everything else in your life. That's why he says, hey, listen, you want to be one of my disciples? Great. You, in comparison, you have to hate your mother and your father and your parents and your children and all of that if you want to be one of my followers. He wasn't saying you're not supposed to love your parents. Obviously, the number five of the great Ten Commandments is honor your father and mother and all that kind of stuff. He was just simply saying, look, in comparison to me, You've got to hate everything else. And I think what he was saying is, is look, I don't do number two very well. I want to be number one in your life. So you want to end well? You want your dash to say something unbelievable when it's all said and done? You're going to have to, you know, count the cost. It's going to cost you something. And along the way, you're going to have to make some critical choices. You're going to have things that are set before you. And here's the deal. In the journey of faith, if all we had to do was decide what was evil between what was evil and what is good, that'd be easy, wouldn't it? You might want to get that. Um, <laughs> um, if, if all we, you know, here's something evil and here's something good, you as a Christian choose between the two. Man, the journey of faith would be a no-brainer. But Satan's way more crafty than that. What he does is he, he puts the good out there and the good becomes the, the, the enemy of the very best. And so we bite after what is good. And Satan goes, okay, good, there you go. And we missed what was the best. And one of the things that we are called to do, uh, uh, Paul in Ephesians chapter five says, be very careful how you live. Be careful how you live. Be careful how you live. He goes on and says, therefore, do not be foolish. Don't act thoughtlessly is what some of your Bibles say. Instead of acting thoughtlessly, understand what the will of the Lord is. In other words, all these choices are gonna be laid before you as you walk in this thing called life and God says, don't be foolish, but know what God wants you to do with your life and make that choice. Now, obviously, when you look at our brothers who wrote most of the New Testament, th th those choices, they died. They were killed for their faith. 
But when you make the right choice, it doesn't matter whether you're beheaded or thrown off the temple mount or whatever. It doesn't matter what the outcome is. What matters is you've just done what God wanted you to do, period. Well, the, he goes on, and, and uh, still another one said in verse uh, uh, 61, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my own family. And this guy didn't get it. This guy, you know, just sometimes it's best to... But there's always some dude who's just got to speak up. And so this guy goes, hey, I'll do it. But I understand the dead guy, man. He's dead. What are you going to do, man? How dumb is that? Man, Jesus said, follow me. Your dad's dead. Who cares? My family's alive. Let me go back and, you know, kind of say goodbye. And Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand on the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. And then the vignette is over. I think what Jesus was saying here is gonna cost you something, you gotta make critical choices, and then he's saying here, once you've made the choice, don't look back. You gotta stay focused. You gotta stay focused. Because if you don't stay focused, you're, you're, you're toast. See, I, I know a lot of people, my church, hundreds and hundreds, I guarantee you that the pastors here could, could tell you about people who came here they were part of this. They counted the cost, you know, and, and they made hard choices maybe to start the church or whatever it was. And man, things are really great, but they, they didn't stay focused. And they, they look back. And man, the world can be an enticing place. There's a reason why the road that leads to destruction and death, hell is wide, and there's tons of people on it. Let me tell you something. I'm not one of these preachers that will tell you that sin is a drag. It's not. Sin can be a blast. I know, I lived in it for a long time. And anybody who says, oh, you know, pastor, sin's just a real drag, I always think to myself, no, no, you just were going to the wrong parties, man. <laughs> you weren't going to the ones I was going to. Because those were a blast. Man, just fulfilling all the desires of your flesh? Doing whatever you want? All the pleasures of your flesh? Just, that can be fun. The bummer is, is that you never hear what the price tag is. But sin can be a blast. Let me tell you something. Wow. And next thing you know, you're just sucked into this vortex of sinfulness and whatever. And now somebody that you used to know who went to this church isn't here anymore. They're gone. Maybe they left their wife, left their husband maybe lost it all. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. I, there, I, my, my church is big, and I, I got more of those kind of people than I can count. So how can you stay focused? I'll end with this just, just real quick. You might want to write these down because we're going to sing a song here. Number one, uh, give the Lord the first moment of every morning. Write that down. Give the Lord the first moment of every morning. You wake up, man, get your coffee, get your tea, whatever it is, man. Take the word of God. Sit down and enjoy some time with the Lord right in the morning. First thing, Give the Lord the first thought of every morning, okay? N number two, give the Lord the first day of every week. So you're giving him the first thought of every day, but you're giving him the first day of every uh, uh, week, right? You, you, in other words, you come into church. Make this a commitment. I wish that some of the Christians that I know that are committed to their kids' soccer team were as committed to fellowshipping in God's church. I know some people who know the Lord and they're way more committed to making sure their kid never misses a game on Sunday than they would be bringing their kid to fellowship in God's, with God's people like this. Unbelievable to me. Sad. It's pathetic. Never would, you know, I'm not going to let the coach down made a commitment to the coach. What about the guy who died on a cross for you? 
cares deeply about you in your life. So you, you, you give the Lord the first thought of every morning. You give the Lord the first day of every week. You give the Lord the first part of every paycheck. Jesus said, where this is, that's where this goes. And for some of you, you hate that, don't you? He didn't say where this is, this follows. Where this is, this goes. And if you're not giving anything to the Lord's work here, don't tell me how much you love Jesus. I'll give you a practical illustration here. How many of you know, have ever heard of a company called Workday? Okay, my, my wife has because her brother, right over here, her brother was one of the guys that kind of started it. Got to be up there at the NASDAQ and hammer the hammer and when it went public. The reason why only three of you know of it is because the rest of you don't have anything invested in it. Do an experiment. Tomorrow morning, wake up, call your broker, invest a grand in work day, and watch what happens on Tuesday. As you get up and check the stock market. How'd it do last night? How are we doing? We're up, we're down. Hell, man, we're making money. Why? All of a sudden, workday matters to you because you got money invested there. It doesn't mean anything to you now because you don't have anything invested there. And the same thing is true with the Lord. You don't invest anything in what God's doing in this great church. That's, that's tragic. You want to stay focused, you give the Lord the first thought of every morning. You give the Lord the first day of every week. You give the Lord the first part of every paycheck. And last but not least, you give the Lord the first shot at any decision you're going to make. To say, God, here I am. I got to make this decision. I, wanna, I, I want you to weigh in on this. My grandma, my grandpa, my parents, everybody else has weighed in. I want you to weigh in on it. Does your word have anything to say as it relates to the decision I'm about ready to make? And if you're new in the Lord, that's when you call your pastors up and say, hey, help me. I'm about ready to make a decision. And I just want to know, does God's word have anything to say about this? and let them share with you some thoughts. The Bible says that there's wisdom and safety in the multitude of counselors. And you do those four things and the chances are pretty good you'll stay focused. Okay, now everybody stand up and invite the band up here and we're gonna end with a, we're, we're, we're end with a song here, okay? Let me pray for you. Father, thanks. I have really enjoyed being here. This is a good group of Christ followers, Lord. Thank you, God, for what you're doing here. And it's you, Lord. You're the one that's at work here. But I also know you work through people. And there's just a bunch of really good staff people here. Thank you, Lord, for those that name your name that are a part of this church. Blessings on each of them. And I hope, God, that as we exit this place here in just a moment, that our dash would kind of rattle around in our minds. Lord, that we'd all have a heart to, to want to end well. And somehow, Lord, maybe use some of the words that I've shared today to be a blessing to my friends here. And I pray this in your name. Amen. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvertherock.org.